I'll sacrifice a small baby. I'll do it. Oh my goodness! Don't sacrifice a small baby. I think I think it just wants like. I'll sacrifice a large baby. You're listening to Good Enough Games, a podcast that sets realistic quality standards for themselves. And as we all know, our podcast is GM'd by a potato, and tonight the potato is me. I'm Marina Conrad. You can find me at Dimension Dust on Twitter. And with me here are Morgan. Hi, my name is Morgan Wilson, usually the GM of this podcast, but not for tonight. Um, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Lindy Bombette on Twitter, and I'm going to be playing Bree, sentient space dust. And from the wonderful Magpies podcast, we have Ree. Hello, I'm Ree, pronouns are she, her. Um, and yes, I am from the Magpies. Uh, as of this recording, the finale goes up on Tuesday. So by the time uh, this episode airs, the, the show is probably officially wrapped up. We are already developing our next Blades in the Dark actual play. And you can uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at clever underscore Corvids. Uh, Robin? Hey, I'm Robin, uh, pronouns he, him. And you can find me at Twitter at Robin A.J. Kuiper. Um, yeah, hey. And Zeb. Hi, I'm Zeb. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at monster underscore mom underscore Zeb. And today I'm playing Lady, who is devoted to the long cat. <laughs> yes, today we are playing Friendly Sword Pals, a game about <laughs> holding hands and gazing into each other's eyes, totally platonically. <laughs> Beautiful. No, no, no one wants, wants to, like, revolt? I mean, personally, if I had to choose, I would rather be a thirsty sword lesbian. Interesting proposal. Hand-holding is but the lewdest of acts, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I thought that there would be a rebellion, but everyone is just too damn nice. But we, we are, in fact, playing Thirsty Sword Lesbians, a game about being queer and having swords. Beautiful. What more could you want? Yeah, that's basically my, my life plan. Step one, be queer. Step two, get a sword. Let's go let's go over uh, your characters and your characters relationships again. I volunteer to go first. Yes, thank you. Right. So, I am playing Breely. Uh the playbook is The Nature Witch. Uh nature, of course, in a space campaign being space. Breely is basically sentient moon dust that has been orbiting a lonely asteroid for the last several millennia orbiting the heart of the galaxy uh, and recently uh, and, and the entire time has been listening into humanity's media transmission and falling in love with their culture and pining for a day when they finally get to interact with others. Uh, recently, their uh, meteorite crashed into the cruise ship. And since then, they have joined the crew with their pet moon bat Jasmina, who looks like a space manta ray uh, mixed with, I don't know, like a sea slug mixed with like an otter. I, I can't really explain it, but they're adorable. Yes. So my relationships are for one of you sees my potential. And I talked about this with Zeb uh, and 
lady thinks that Bree is a promising candidate to become a servant of the Great Mar. Yeah, I also think you just have potential to be a cool human. Exactly. <laughs> Which I would like to be a cool human. That sounds really cool. But yeah, so I'm naive enough to go along with this. Uh, and last, who thought that they took you on a date when you thought it was just a fun, friendly time? <laughs> and I talked to Rhea about this. And yeah, Jordan totally took Brie on a date. And uh, Brie is totally unaware of that. Yeah. Uh, so what are Brie's pronouns? Brie is she, they. Also it. How many strings did you give to your peoples? Oh, uh, let's see. I will give Lady a string on me. I will give... I think it's funny if, if Jordan has no strings on me because yeah. I was unaware that it was a <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's go Lady. Tell me about yourself. It's me. Is you. Yeah. Lady, lady is the devoted. I am devoted to the great and powerful Marfefa, who is a very long cat with many legs. Also, maybe a crime lord on the run. And yeah, I have served Marfefa most of my life. I like getting punched maybe a bit too much. And I don't really know what love is, because... I've been taught it's always, it's always supposed to hurt. Oh my god. Which I kind of like, but also sometimes you just want to, like, chill. Oh, my heart. My big gay heart. Okay, tell us about your relationship questions. First one is who I'm devoted to. That's my favorite, it's not you. Who looks out for me even when I don't look out for myself? Does anyone want to look out for Lady? I could take that one because I, I have that lady is my, my current object of my affections. So Ooh, nice. I could be getting protective or a bit more outwardly caretaking than usual. Perfect. Why be with that cat when you could be with me? Have you seen me? E. And who did I save from a terrible fate? He wants to be saved from a terrible fate. Uh, you are totally the person who zigged when you were supposed to zag and are the reason that I crashed into the spaceship. <laughs> you saved me from <laughs> from drifting uh, even longer in space. Oh, so sweet. So uh, who do you give strings and how many? Um, I'm going to give two strings to Jordan and um, one string to Bree. Okay. Jordan, let's go. Yeah. Jordan's questions are, uh, who were you smitten with until recently? And I said, I think that that's Brie, because I thought we were dating, but apparently we weren't. So... Not that anyone knows how that that is, or like, not that anyone ever had this happen in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Communication is something that I'm great at. And then my next question is, who has replaced them in your desire? And as I said, I, I think it's Lady. Um, it's very much a lore of the unattainable. Uh, Jordan kind of knows that Lady is never going to choose her over the, the one they're devoted to. So, you know, it's, it's a nice, safe crush. Nothing's ever going to come of it. Okay, nice. So, Kat, you're the last person. 
on our list. Yay. So my first question is, uh, who do, who thinks you're not all that weird? And I thought it was Brie because uh, we're both not really very basic life forms, as in we, we both didn't really grow organically, so to say, I think. And uh, so uh, like a strange virus loving robot would be that weird to her. And I think they, they can bond about that a little bit. Yep. Everyone is equally weird in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that Kat feels a little bit uh, self-conscious about being all metal and no fleshy bits. Then my second question is, uh, whom have the Unseen warned you about? And I think that's Lady, as we discussed. Kat is very much like a freedom fighter, and she wants to get out and be free and do whatever she wants. Uh, and devotion like how lady has is is like scary to her uh so i think somewhere the 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 virus in her head keeps uh popping up more warning labels whenever she walks past like the big <laughs> red overlay warning label and then my last one who's your touchstone for what normal is and that would be jordan because as far as cat knows they led a fairly standard life yeah sure <laughs> I, I expect they don't know each other that well, but um, th that's the first impression she has now. Jordan is very much a, you You must get to level five friendship to unlock my tragic backstory. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> now it's just the superficial, you, you were a soldier. Okay, cool. Or, or bounty hunter, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think I'm going to give two th strings to Bree, one to Jordan, and one to Lady. Yeah, for Brie. So my my uh, relationship is who thinks you're perfect just the way you are. Uh, and based on what Robin was just saying, I think that's probably Kat. Oh. Aw. Yush. Yeah, how heartwarming. No, space dust and robot friends. Yeah. So we start in the deepest of space, in warp space. And there's this bluish purple timey wimey expanse and in this expanse there's this beautiful spaceship and uh, what is the ship's name jordan i i think i'm gonna go with luck of the ladies because of who jordan is as a person <laughs> <laughs> yeah and is there maybe graffiti on on the side of the ship of uh, Racy images of some some racy ladies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very 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 tasteful. I think most of them do have swords in keeping with our theme. But yeah, there there are sexy pinup girls on the side of my ship again because of who Jordan is as a person. How much does this spaceship resemble a vibe on like a scale of one to ten? <laughs> uh, probably about a seven. Beautiful. Yes, and the luck of the ladies is currently on its way to a very special place. You're going to meet up with the Love Song Fleet, a famously rich and free fleet in this part of the galaxy. And what happened is, Kat, uh, you got a message recently from a friend of yours who asked you to come. They were very evasive and concerned about being listened to or watched, but there's some girl trouble involved. And basically the message was, help, there's a girl 
what do with girl, please come. So soon, very soon, you're going to be coming out of, of warp space. Where is everyone on the ship? And let's hear their descriptions and what their usual job on the ship is. Cat, this is your friend we are going to be helping. So are you in the cockpit looking at communications or are you preparing in some other way? No, I think Cat is in what she calls her her sanctuary. And um, it's basically just the main computer room where she's doing a lot of algorithmic stuff to to find the right location to warp to to and stay on course and stuff like that. I think maybe she's sort of a digital navigator like that. What she normally wears on this ship is 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 very form-fitting black tight pants, but a very loose black sweater over it with all these uh space letters, but they look a little bit like uh like Japanese uh lettering and um it just like crosses over her uh, large sweater. And she just wears a pair of sneakers trying to trying to be normal. And she's just sitting there uh, with her blue hair and yellow glowy eyes because she is still te- technological. And uh, yeah, looking at how they, uh, how they're, where they're going to, to get out of the warp. Uh, yeah, and describe a little bit more of Kat. Oh yeah. So Kat is a, a technological life form who, who was made to look like a feline which she despises when people say so because there's no like feline programming in her. Uh, she just looks like it, which annoys her. Um, she's a bit, little bit grumpy and and uh, and weird, brooding in the corners. Um, always just busy with her weird computer stuff, and I think that she she just isolates herself a little bit more than the rest does. She's about five one, not that bulky, but also not that light. She's just like uh, she, she looks like a normal. 20-year-old, one woman, except she weighs a couple tons because of all the robot parts. And a cat girl. Well, she's not a cat girl. She just made, was made to look like a cat girl. <laughs> Which she despises. Okay. Gotta got make those really important distinctions. <laughs> yeah, very, very important distinctions. It just looks like a cat girl. We know that in space, looks are not the first thing that determine your identity. And that is very important. Yeah, she, she was a she was a former server uh, or or like um, server robot in some oppressive empire, which the robots broke free from. But for some reason, her previous owner thought she would look cute like a cat, but she doesn't know why, and she doesn't also know what the function is of all the cat parts because they they're just aesthetic. But she just like kept it because that's who she was. Okay. Amazing. So so you were like a server in like a cat girl made cafe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you you staged a revolution. I, I feel like that that's a genre though, just like cat girl made, but also seven t- like several tons of war machinery. I like it. We th- that's more like made RPG, but yes. <laughs> I I have an idea for how Bree might get involved in this little scene in the navigation room. So I think that as you were busy navigating, uh, calibrating coordinates for the Love Song fleet. There is some like purple sparkly mist uh, that's like worked its way underneath uh, the automatic doors uh, very stealthily uh, and sort of like drifts through the room uh, and eventually materializes into a lesbian. That's pretty short girl, probably like 5'2", wearing this big bulky spacesuit with like black hair, uh, probably like 
if you had to pin them down, they'd be like kind of Hispanic vibes. And they sort of like appear right behind Kat very stealthily. And the screens flicker for a second and says, this is, uh, we're finally going to visit the Love Song fleet. This is just like in that one episode of Galaxy Love Betrayal. Do you want to watch it with me? I've never seen that. Could you designate what that is? Here. And the controls of the, the machines flicker for a second. I think some of the purple space mist goes over to the control panel and just starts like tapping keys in rapid succession. And then appearing in place of our ship's navigation, it just says Galaxy Love Betrayal. Actually, the title is written in Spanish, so it's Tracion de Amor de la Galaxia. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's a space telenovela. Is it just somebody else's uh, space setting game of Pasión de las Pasiones? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Bree's like, this is the episode. This is the episode. It was just so much heartbreak. And the first time I ever saw it, about 3.5 billion years ago, it was, or sorry, 3.5 million years ago, it touched my soul. Is a long time for you to be. Well, I knew you were that alive that long. Mm. Okay, let's watch. I guess. Yeah, we didn't need to do whatever you were doing before, anyway. Well, we did because we need to know where my friend is in the universe, so we can actually get there in the warp. But okay, I guess a romantic series is okay. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, wait, I, I didn't, I didn't do something wrong, did I? Did I do something wrong? I don't know, actually. Most of the time I just sit here and think about stuff myself and pretend to navigate, but the computer does everything. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, so in this episode, Ramon, uh, he's the captain, and Brie starts going into intense details about Tracion de, la, de Amor de la Galaxia. <laughs> nice. I, I think Kat will ask why they say Mi Amor a lot. She doesn't know what that means. <laughs> Beautiful. It means my love. And they like clutch their hands to their chest and their eyes go all heart shaped. Do they like actually go heart shaped? Because uh, like, th- they are not material, right? How anime are we on a scale of one to ten? I don't know. That's like up to you guys. We we have a we have a robot cat girl, so I'm gonna say very anime. So I'm gonna say yes, they literally do go heart shaped. And like, yes, like literally diegetically in fiction, they go heart shape because uh, Brie can shapeshift. Then uh, then the robot cat girl will change her eyes to pink hearts as well. <laughs> but like eight bit. <laughs> so adorable. Okay. Jordan. The Love Song fleet is a fleet of like free... Uh, bounty hunters, pirates, merchants, and all that kind of stuff. Do you have maybe past experience with them? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think I, I am probably pretty well known to to the fleet. Um, have probably taken a number of jobs uh, through through them. Now that uh, you know that you're soon going to be arriving, what's uh, your character? What are you doing? So uh, Jordan Larkspur, I, I think, has, now that we're getting close to, to arriving, has uh, finished uh, figuring out her outfit. Thigh-high boots, very well-fitted pants, a, a top with some strategic cutouts, a, a long, dramatic jacket that, you know, flares out, really cool sword, 
Jordan has lighter skin, um, very shortcut, dark hair. And I think that she is uh, currently in the cockpit. Since, since it is her ship, I think she, she is also the pilot and is... Whenever we come out of of warp, we'll we'll be piloting the the ship into the fleet. Uh, but for now, I think is just sitting with like her boots up on the dashboard, <laughs> and is probably you know looking through a tablet or data pad type thing of just. I think it's just honestly like a, a graphic novel or something. It's just kind of hanging out, waiting to arrive. Mm. Is it a racy graphic novel? Or? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so what is uh, the character that is Jordan's favorite? Uh, so, if asked, she would say that it's like the, the there's like a, a, a dashing space pirate captain who, you know, seems to have kind of a lot in common with her, but secretly in her heart, it is the the sweet, soft-spoken mechanic who is very good at like getting people to open up and and forming deep, meaningful, emotional bonds. But she would never admit it. Oh, <laughs> never. Is there a name, Lee K? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That was a Firefly joke. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm an old. I'm an old. So I I make Firefly jokes. It's okay. You so old, Marina, with your one hundred and fifty years of age. <laughs> yes. So, uh, lady, what does uh, what what do you do, and uh, how do you prefer uh, prepare Marp Feffa for uh, like going out of the ship? Um. So, lady, lady is a tall, pretty thin but muscular woman with long black hair. Her, her skin is covered in scars, and her nose has clearly been broken several times. And she's wearing, like, a black jumpsuit-esque thing, but it almost looks like it's made of silk with little gold accents on it. And yeah, right now she is she is brushing Marfefa's tummy, um, which is a very long tummy. So, Jordan, the ship comes out of warp, and... Almost immediately, like with probably like thirteen minutes for for a light speed correction, you come into the Aomori system. It's a system in the like independent part of the galaxy. The empire is not yet here, but it is pretty close with its conquest. As you come out of warp. A message arrives from Kat's friend. It says, you came. That's great. Please come to the flagship. There's going to be a matching ceremony. I'll tell you everything. Please bring swords. And as you are uh, reading it, you, uh, you remember that like, a matching ceremony is basically a mix of engagement party and like dueling contest. Basically, whoever is the coolest usually quote unquote wins, wins the hand of the person being matched. 
It doesn't happen literally. Usually the matching involves a lot of behind-the-scenes negotiations, but it's a very, very big ceremonial deal. Very big. And you are invited to the flagship, the admiral's ship. Does it change uh, Jordan's idea about an outfit? (laughs) Yes, yes. I was just going to say, I think Jordan is going to, once she gets the coordinates for the the flagship, she is going to sprint back to her chambers and people can just hear doors slamming open, clothes being hurled across the room. She got dressed up to make an appearance just landing on the (laughs) ship. This is... This requires something more. The thigh-high boots are staying. I think those are a critical feature of every single one of Jordan's outfits. So everyone soon receives the message that you're going to be going to a very, very big, very fancy party. Who needs help figuring out what to wear? Who is a person who is just like, what? Party? What I think is a case for Kat is that she doesn't, she thinks she's just like ready because she just put on some boots and like took off her shirt and it's a tighter shirt. So that's more fancy in her head. But I think everybody is going to just look at her and be like, you're not going to be able to enter if you do this (laughs) because she just looks. This is basically pajamas. Yeah, this is basically just like pajamas. Yeah. With, with, With some Doc Martens. Uh, Brie is the last person who would judge you. Because I think that we're hanging out watching this show, uh, and and we see Captain Ramon de la Supernova on Galaxy Love Betrayal, and uh, Brie uh, hears that we need to get dressed up, uh, and so she f- sort of like floats up for a second, and her like bulky white NASA spacesuit uh, just like color shifts until it's black, and it's the same color as the spacesuit that Ramon de la Supernova wears. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And and Bree says, this is the, the outfit that Ramon de la Supernova wore the first time he got kissed by his first mate. I love it. It looks very good. What do you think of this look? And she says, like, a tight shirt, a tight-fitting pants, and Doc Martens, and that's it. Amazing. Uh, Completely black. Yeah. Like, there, there's no, no wrinkle, but there's, like, there's no detail. I think with your invitation for, for Brie to look over your physical form, uh, they immediately blush. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, I think you have grounds to roll entice, if you like. Yes, I will. Okay. Oh. That's a four. That's a four. Man, mm-hmm. I did not expect to be making hard moves, like, so, <laughs> so oh, well. early. Oh man, uh, I, I think I, I think I know what the consequence here is. Okay, yeah, let's go. Uh, Bree Bree starts to look over Cat, and is sort of like giving them the elevator eyes and just growing like increasingly red cheeked uh, as they go from the shoes to the face. And before <laughs> they can get to the face, they disappear into a poof of social awkwardness and just disappear from the room at out of pure Bree, overwhelmed. You're- uh, yes. Yeah, she'll just say, Bree, your f- atoms were moving at a larger speed. Where are you? Uh, somewhere in the distance, you hear a whale song and you see Jasmina floating down the corridor, but you see no sign of Bree. <laughs> uh, okay. Just as all of this is happening, who is going past the door and seeing Cat wearing pajamas? 
and looking kind of lost. I I can if uh lady doesn't want to jump in on that. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, so I I think uh Jordan has has done a a theater worthy quick change and is now wearing a Still very, very uh, tight-fitting strategic cutouts uh, outfit, but now it is a dress, but the dress has, like, slits almost all the way up to the hip, so you can see the full thigh-high boots, and then she's got a, you know, very cool-looking, like, black and silver belt uh for her sword uh, around her hips. Um, So I think it's a, like, she goes striding past, stops backs up and looks in the door and is like, um, Kat, are are you going to get dressed for the event? But I did get dressed. This is comfortable. Oh, okay. Um, is it not good? It's, um, you're a little underdressed. Um, you know what? Come with me. I think I've got some stuff in my closet that'll fit you. We're going to get you looking great. Wait, you think I don't look good in this? You look great in this, but gestures at at self. For an event like this, you need to bring your absolute fashion A-game. And this is great for hanging out on the ship, but... Yes? (laughs) Gestures at self again. Yes, you look very pretty too. (sighs) Thank you. Uh, Okay, come on, let's, you know what? Let's try a couple different things, and if there's something that you like the look of, you can wear that instead. Come on. Okay. Um. Do you? Oh. Ah. Her, her, hurting. Ca- yes. <laughs> I think she's just dragging her along. Yep. <laughs> I love this. Actually, hurting cats. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how spaceships are. Mm-hmm. Spaceship captaining is pretty much that. Yes. Do you have multiple cats or cat-shaped individuals on this ship? I'm not a feline. I was merely made to look like one. That's why I said cat-shaped individuals. Thank you. <laughs> yes, very important. So let's fast forward here a little bit, like a montage of Jordan's closet that seems to be, like, as the montage go goes on, seems to have more and more TARDIS-like properties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's many very strange, very strangely constructed garments that come out of that closet and like cat is uh anyway, montage. Fun. Sorry. Montage. <laughs> yes. So you arrive at the coordinates for the Love Song fleet. The flagship is like a battleship uh class ship, which is Smaller than Battlestar Galactica, but bigger than Firefly. Bigger than Serenity. It's captained by Admiral uh, Lope Vega, and it's named I Was Made for Loving You. Uh, I love that. It's really good. I sat on it for so long. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. It was beautiful. (laughs) Just Just as upbeat music starts to play, uh, play you into the big like conservatory that where the event is happening. Please, people who uh, haven't described their cool engagement party 
outfits. Please describe them. Yeah, so so Bree's outfit is kind of like one of those bulky NASA spacesuits, but now it's it's black and just slightly more form fitting. But it still stands out as as being like not the most fashionable thing. Bree disappeared, dismaterialized because of embarrassment, and uh, thus couldn't be captured by Jordan to to go into the big uh, TARDIS closet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and I don't you know, wear clothes per se. Scandalous, I know. Yeah, you just inhabit the space next to clothes. Exactly. <laughs> Inside clothes. Um, and I think that there is this like long jagged, uh, or no, this long, like uh, neatly polished shard of meteorite, uh, which is currently like tied to a scabbard that is attached to Jasmina's back, who's this like yellow space manta ray. And uh, th- this is my sword. I brought it with me. Who wants to tell me about Kat's outfit? Uh, Robin or Re? I I think that's that that should be Re. Oh man, let me let me look at your 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 color scheme here. Okay, so blue and yellow. I think um, I'm I'm imagining like yeah, silver and white with like a lot of kind of like cool beadwork and sequins and like cool patterns. Very deep V, which on a robot may or may not actually matter that much, but it's there. It has pockets, which is important. Yeah, I think it's a little like flowier than what what Jordan is wearing. Yeah. It has a little bit more of a like a swooshy skirt. That that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Okay, lady, uh, what do you and Marfefa look like? My feather is in a big padded bed thing with little little robot legs carrying them around, like a cat bed, but sci-fi and imperial. And yeah, lady, lady is yeah wearing wearing a black fancy jumpsuit made of silk, um, a golden belt tied around their waist to like accentuate the hips. It's the kind of loose fitting where it's actually kind of like ends up hanging off their, uh, their curves, and they are wearing a very big two-handed sword on their back. And I think as they exit the ship, the tip of the sword like snags on something for a moment and then gets free and slaps them on the butt. And they immediately like moan and arch their back and then blush and look around embarrassed to see if anyone noticed. <laughs> oh my god, Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> not like a super loud moan it's just yeah raising the rating of this podcast like in one second <laughs> hey, someone had to make it first <laughs> yes that's true that's true does anyone notice my my moaning and blushing i i think brie materializes like bobbing in the air in front of you and looks and says um are you okay you sounded like you were in pain uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yes, completely fine. I like your outfit. Thank you. You kind of matched. And, and Brie says, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm being so rude. And Brie, while still floating in front of you, does like a, a, a formal bow to Marfefa and says, um, 
I, I am so sorry for speaking to your pet in uh in in your presence without uh asking you for your permission first, Marfefa. Ow. And Marfefa <laughs> makes that paw. Bree continues to bow and then looks up at Lady and says, um, does, does that mean that we can keep talking? Yes. Okay, so I was thinking about it, and do you think that Captain Ramon de la Supernova is based on a real person and just starts geeking out, out at you about the show? <laughs> so cute. So, obviously, first you dock, and then you uh, go, you're escorted through the ship and into what looks to be a repurposed like aquaponics setup, very green and lush, but some of it is like tomatoes and some of it is parsley. And uh, it's just like, it's essentially their vegetable garden. But it is very big, very spacious. And the aquaponics setup is decorated with beautiful alien plants and crystals and lights. It's a little bit kind of like a boho spaceship aesthetic. And as you are escorted, the the attendant points in the direction of this woman standing in the middle of, of the room on top of... Uh, like a podium. Uh, she is standing there and the attendant says, this is the captain that is being matched. Deanna Verity. You, you know, of course. And some of you know and some of you don't. And Deanna looks almost architecturally magnificent. Uh, she is tall and the Love Song fleet doesn't have a uniform, but she is very, she is wearing very structured clothing and like very tight pants and very tight leg hugging boots and uh, a jacket that shines like ice. It's very, very glittery. She's black and like her skin is like medium brown. Her hair, uh, half of it is shaved and half of it is like in this very big dark, dark copper poof. Everyone is this, in this place is supposed to be vying for her hand, so to speak. Can we all take the opportunity at the present moment uh, to declare that we are all smitten by this person? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's you. It's up to your character. Are they smitten? Yes. Based on that picture, I think that the that uh, Deanna Verity reminds. Uh, Brie of the antagonist of uh, the 346th season of Tracion de Amor de la Galaxia, uh, who is extremely hot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna declare smitten. Which uh, how does that work? You declare smitten, and I ask you a thing. I think you say why uh, they are architecturally magnificent. Great description. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a string on me, and then I answer the question in the truce of the heart and blade section of my playbook. Yeah. What is a clear challenge of being with them that you're overlooking because of your naivete? I think the thing that Brie has totally failed to recognize is that absolutely every single person in this room is smitten by this character. <laughs> okay, so s there was another uh, re. Yeah, uh, I have lust at first sight. When you become smitten with someone you barely know, declare your undying love and give them a string on you. Okay. 
I lose my smitten status with anyone who has no strings on me, which I do not think applies. Uh, and I get plus one forward to any act that I think might impress my new interest. So, uh, yeah, I think... <laughs> I'm just picturing that Jordan and Bree have like identical gobsmacked expressions of like, oh my God, she's so hot. So when you become smitten with someone, say why, give them a string. Why would your romance never last? Oh, because I am a, a, a wandering bounty hunter, unwilling and unable to be tied down to any one place and she is a captain of this fleet who has many responsibilities uh it would never work but damn she's hot yeah and i feel where where is uh, your expression is one of like lust and like all right I, i'm into it uh brie does that thing where their cheeks get redder and redder and then they poof into space oh oh so cute so you are currently in this big, nice space and everyone is, there's a lot of uh, captains and non-captains. What do you all do in this cornucopia of drinks, some foods, and very pretty people? We're looking for Kat's friend, right? That's why we're here. I mean, yes, technically. <laughs> About that. Um... Cat presses her comm unit, and uh, she says, well, it's basically just her ear, and she does, like, bleep on the tip of her ear. And, uh, like, I imagine a little, like, antenna dish comes out of her other ear, and that's how she, like, gets to talk to people. <laughs> and um, she's like, hey, Tio, um, I am here. Can you can you come by the port, Collis? Yeah, and basically in two seconds after you send this message. Uh, Tio pops up, uh, pops up from, uh, from the side. Uh, they are like a humanoid looking body uh, made of like polished metal and uh, some weird material instead of hair. And they have this big disc floating around their head uh, that flashes different lights. They uh, look at you, Kat, and they say, oh, I'm I'm so happy that you came. I couldn't. I have to talk to you with this body. This is, this is much safer. And you know, Kat, that Tio is a spaceship. Their name is Time is an Empty Ocean. And this is their humanoid-sized kind of platform that they occupy for now. I've never seen you with this body before. That's a strange th- I asked you to come to the portcullis so I could brag about you being a spaceship to my friends, but alas, it is not so. I think that is a quote from one of the weird movies that I just watched with my friend today. Well, it is so, and Theo looks to all of you. I I am a spaceship. Time is an empty ocean uh, at your service, and it does like a very weirdly formal bow. Ah, uh, but I guess that the empty ocean needs to be filled right now. That's why we're here. And she, like, does a, a the the same pink heart at her friends to indicate what she means. Uh, it's a, a pleasure to meet you, Tio. Any friend of Kat's is a friend of ours. So, Tio urges you to, like, a very secluded space that supposedly is not 
covered by cameras for now. And it's like between some sort of, between like some cabinets and uh, a tomato plant. They tell you about their heartbreaking love story. They are hopelessly, well, they are not hopelessly in love. The thing is, they are very much reciprocally in love with Captain Verity. But they cannot enter the matching ceremony because they are not a captain. Oh, no. So That's oppression. <laughs> only a captain can, uh, can enter the ceremony. And uh, they really don't know what to do. I could try and hack the database and make you a captain, she says with a sort of creepy tone. No one... Everyone knows people in the battle fleet. They know that I'm a ship. You could be a captain and a ship. Yeah. Who says you can't? Well, I'm I'm not. I have a captain. Oh. But are they nice? Yes. Hmm. I don't know what to do. Maybe if I if I just compete and and win everything, then maybe they will let me join Diana. I don't I don't know. And Jordan, Lady Bree, what do you think? If if someone wins this contest, are they allowed to give away the prize? Can it be transferred? Oh, oh, n- no. That's oh, the point you have to be you have to win on on your own and you have to bring important things to to the fleet like and uh, they look like in direction of the main main assemblage of people, mainly around the punch bowl. There's a lot of very important people that want to join with Diana, and and she wants the best for the fleet. So she she keeps telling me it's not going to mean anything, but that's that's not really true. You can't go through a joining ceremony and then then become battle partners and then it not have to mean anything. That that's yeah, they seem very distraught. What's the what's the name of our spaceship real quick? Luck of the ladies. Luck of the ladies. I think that, that Bree pops out of midair, has not been present this whole conversation and then is just instantly over it's Tio, right? Tio shoulder. Yes. I says, is there any rule that says that a spaceship can't be the captain of another spaceship? Uh, Tio looks confused for a moment and then says, well, n- no. We could make you the honorary captain of the luck of the ladies. Oh, yes. That is a good idea. Yeah, much easier to update our computer systems than uh, try to hack through the whole love song fleets. Oh. That wouldn't be a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy child. <laughs> Beautiful. Theo, do you think you could actually win if you were a captain? Well, I I have battle programming. And uh, they look, once again, in the direction of where most of the guests are assembled. And you see there's... Most of the people here are carrying swords or other weapons. And uh, 
Jordan, you know that a lot of people in the love song fleet can fight because that's that's a thing that you do when you're a free captain. You learn to fight because otherwise the empire will just take your ship. You, when you say you have battle programming, do you mean like ship to ship combat? Because I'm not sure how well that will serve you here. I I have personal combat programming too. Oh, good. I have a thought. Out of character, would Jordan know how this is structured? Is it kind of like a bracket sort of system? Yes, it is a bracket sort of system. And uh, also out of character in general, like Tio doesn't know everything in this situation. And they're giving you a very like biased idea yes. of what's happening. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that came across. Yeah. 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 But uh, Jordan would would know that, yes, there is a bracket, but also this is in a lot of ways about showing status and achievements before and uh, uh, having a relationship or an agreement with the captain or the admiral also. Here's, here's my thought. We all can enter this fight and make sure that Tio and one of us are the last competitors and then ensure that Tio wins and then Does that mean that one of us might get to fight Deanna Verity? I don't know, does it? If everything goes well, then yes, you do get to fight Deanna Verity in the end. I'm in. I will destroy the hot lady. Wait, no, no, that's not what we're trying to do. We don't want to destroy her. We want to help help her and, and Tio get together. I will destroy the bonds that keep their relationship away. Y- yeah, yes, yes. That's That's what we're going for. Destroy the barriers to their love. I despise oppression. There you go. That's the spirit. No, that is my pet. It's a holographic little squirrel. It's not a spirit. I have many people confuse it. Is your squirrel named Oppression? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Why do you despise your squirrel? <laughs> yeah. Because it is with me without me wanting it. One day, I looked into the great matrix void and there was nothing but a green holographic squirrel and it installed itself on my hard drives and now it won't go away, and it took a metaphysical form. That is why sometimes you will see it on my shoulder, but other times you will not. But it helps me greatly. That's not a pet. That's being haunted. Or, like, you have a virus? Do we need to Do we need to install some antivirus software on you? Because it sounds like you may be ill or possessed. I mean, the haunted thing actually might be a little more accurate now that I'm thinking about it. It makes me so that I am in connection with everyone else that is digital. Like Theo, this is how we know each other. And she just waves at Theo. Is there anyone sufficiently concerned with Cat's squirrel friend to try to figure them out? Does anyone want to roll a thing? Oh, right. This is a game with dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm also... This is the first 
time I'm GMing uh, the game, so I'm bad at calling shit out. No, 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 that's okay. This is a a very common thing that happens in games that I've been in. We're just just having a good time, and then it's like, oh, right, dice. Yeah, dice. Sure, I will will try to figure out Cat and this weird squirrel. Yeah, that's plus wit. Yes, and I do not think I have any strings on cat, so I will just roll. We got oppression. Hey! That's that's a 12. Wonderful. All right, so I get to ask two questions. Uh, I I will start now with uh, what do you hope to get from this strange, haunting, holographic squirrel that is perched upon your shoulder? And, like, this is not necessarily a question that uh, Jordan is asking in fiction, but, like, what just, like, from you talking about it, uh, what would she uh, figure out? I think what what Kat wants from it is um, extra powers. And from the way she's, like, handling it and, like, just leaving it on her shoulder, it seems she's very comfortable with it and it actually is helping her. Uh, with some things, if there was some kind of AR overlay, you could maybe see uh, there would be like a stream of information being shared between them, and it just helps her. It just helps her figure people out, figure situations out. Okay. She installed extra RAM. <laughs> she downloaded extra RAM for her encrypted firewall. No. Um... Yes, downloaded extra RAM. Um, okay. I, I think I'll hang on to my other question for later. Yeah, I, I think Bree is having a little bit of trouble because Bree is very into uh, Deanna Verity, but like looks at Deanna Verity and then looks over at Tio and then looks over at Deanna Verity and then looks over at Tio. And she can picture herself having wild space adventures with Deanna Verity. Just like Captain uh, Ramon de la Supernova and his first mate, Catalina Cosmo. But uh, his names are so good. Right? But looking longer at, at the two of these people, a different instinct starts to kick in. And they look back and forth. And their eyes turn into hearts. And they say, oh my god, I ship it. I ship it. <laughs> That's a move, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, I think what happens is Bree looks at Tio and says, um, hold on, I'll be right back. Verity doesn't look like she's having a good time, and she could be having a much better time. I'm going to go talk to her real quick. Okay, bye. And disappears into a puff of space dust. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appear at Deanna Verity's side. Just out of nowhere, and I'm going to say, um, have you seen season 356 of uh, Galaxy Love Betrayal? Thank you for listening to Good Enough Games. If you liked us, please tell your friends about us. We are on Twitter at GoodEnoughRPG. Bree and the Magpies are on Twitter at Clever underscore Corvids. We were playing Thirsty Sword Lesbians by April Kit Walsh, an evil head production in partnership with Gates by Ship Games. Our GM and editor was Marina Conrad. Our music is by Katza. We will be back in two weeks with the second part of this story. Until then. Please, be kind to yourself.